direction of important? Why is the direction, direction of belief important? What do we mean by that? Mark chapter 9, we're going to just begin, starting in verse number 14, and we're going to read, and I'm just going to explain. I don't plan on taking very long tonight. I plan on being very concise. Uh, I took more time than I intended on Sunday, and so I want to be very gracious tonight uh, with your time. And so we're going to be looking at a truth, and I pray that these simple thoughts here tonight would help us understand and to focus upon this heart of direction in belief. Father, once again, I thank you for the night. Please bless now, I pray, the study of the Word of God. Use it, I pray, to strengthen us together in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 14 of Mark chapter 9. And when he, Jesus, came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. The Bible speaks of a time in which Jesus Christ is not with his disciples. His disciples are in their ministry, as it were. And as, he, or as they were ministering, Jesus sees a great crowd around the disciples and begins to approach the disciples and this crowd that has gathered around them. The Bible tells us as Jesus approached, look what happened in verse number 15. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. That word saluted there means greet or greeted him. The Bible tells us that as the crowd was around the disciples and Jesus approached them, one of, someone in the crowd uh, or individuals of the crowd recognized that it was Jesus coming. And the Bible tells us that that crowd quickly dissolved from around the disciples and ran to, uh, ran to Jesus to greet him and to truly to get the issue that we'll see in just a moment uh, 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 laid at rest. And the Bible tells us in verse number 16, notice what it says. And he, Jesus, asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Now Jesus is God. Jesus knew exactly what they were questioning and what exactly they were saying. He knew the very tense and motives. He knew everything in their heart and life. But the Bible tells us that Jesus begins to have a conversation or to involve himself in the conversation that is about to unfold. He asked them simply, what are you talking about? What are you, what are you asking them? How can I speak into what the situation is portraying? Look at verse number 17, please. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. The Bible will later, and we'll see it later on, talks about a dumb and deaf spirit speaking into not only that this boy could not speak but he could not hear he's a little boy this is a young child some think he could be as young as just a few years of age some seven or even younger we're not exactly sure how old he was but we know he was a young boy the Bible teaches us that this young boy could not speak. The Bible says that there was an evil spirit that had taken him. Notice what the Bible continues to say. And wheresoever he taketh him. That word taketh there 
speaks of seizing hold of someone or something so as to make it one's own. This dumb and deaf spirit had taken this boy and had seized him, seized him physically, seized him even mentally. He was physically enraptured or encaptured by this evil spirit. Notice what this evil spirit is doing to this little boy. He teareth him. That word teareth speaks of dashing to the ground. So this dumb and evil spirit would dash or throw this young boy to the ground. And the Bible speaks of as that tearing is not only just throwing him to the ground, but it's actually distorting his body and forcing convulsions upon him. So this little boy, as he is uh, taken or seized by this evil spirit, is literally falling and being forced to the ground, convulsing, and his body is twisting and distorting because of the force that's laid upon him. Notice the Bible says, and he foameth. Foameth, of course, means to be foaming at the mouth like a mad dog is how this little boy so tragically was being captured by this evil spirit. Notice the Bible says, and gnasheth with his teeth. That word gnasheth there is the Greek word trizo, which means a shrill cry that is accompanied by the grinding of the teeth. There's something about the grinding of the teeth that truly penetrates and causes us to be set on edge does it not this little boy as he is convulsing distorting and his mouth is foaming his teeth begin to grind to create shrill a shrill cries that are very audible to everyone around this little boy is being tortured literally by this evil spirit the father sums it up in this last few words, and pineth away. That word pineth there is an agricultural term. It is used when describing a piece of grass or some blades of grass or a crop that is withering away. The Bible says we're looking at my, I'm looking at at, at my little boy and he's literally withering his life is wasting away he is drying up his body is becoming like dead grass like a dead crop his life is coming to a close this boy truly was withering to death before his parents own eyes this little boy was unable to speak or even express the suffering and anguish that was going in his body. He couldn't communicate. He couldn't try to relay the pain and the suffering in which he was dealing. He was closed and could not escape the capture or the, se- or the seizing of this evil spirit. Surely, the parents tried to get help from doctors and others but nothing worked could you imagine this parent this father hearing of jesus 
hearing about those whom a people were calling the Messiah. And as he heard about Jesus, thought maybe he has an answer. Certainly this father heard about the healing that took place and about how Christ had healed so many. And he thought there's hope in Christ. There's hope in Jesus. And I can picture this father taking his son as he heard that Jesus was nearby and thinking, I've got to find Jesus. I've got to take him to him. And as he began to try to find Jesus, he could not find Jesus, but he did find his disciples. He did find, he, he did find those who followed and served with him. And he took his son to the disciples, thinking they saw or, or, they, or they've seen his, uh, his works. They've been with him. They've heard his truth. They are ministering with him, as it were. And they were his hope. The disciples had experience now in teaching, in preaching. They saw people healed of diseases in their own personal lives, in their own personal ministries. Even demons cast out. So this boy, possessed, captured by this evil spirit, wasn't something that they were unfamiliar with. Something Jesus taught them how to handle and what to do. But notice this statement that this father speaks. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out said, I brought them to your disciples. They had experience in this. And they could not. This father believed. He believed in the answers that was presented to him. He sought out in a heart simply of uh, a belief, wanting to find help for his boy. Physicians didn't have the answer. Doctors couldn't find a cure. And now the disciples who followed Christ and they themselves had experience in this now could not help. His hope, his belief had become dashed. Broken. You see, he had a belief that was misdirected. He was hopeful in maybe what the physicians had. He was hopeful definitively in what the disciples had to offer, but truly, man failed him. Man could not bring the cure. There was a belief in his heart that he wanted to believe, that he wanted to uh, look or was looking for an answer, trying to find an answer for his little boy. But that belief was misdirected. It was not placed where it firmly could find the answer. About a year or so ago, we were driving on a country road back from a shop near St. Helens. And as we were driving back, there was a section of road that was clear as there was a road that teed into, as we were driving to our right, 
And as it began, as we began approaching that, the road in which we were on was a simply national speed limit, 60 mile an hour, and cars were going back and forth. It's not a super, it's not wasn't a terribly busy road, but rather a road that had a continual, uh, fairly regular traffic on it. And as I approached that junction, again, having the right of way, I noticed that there was a car that was stopped at the road waiting to turn right to go the direction in which I was traveling. And as the car was sitting there for just a moment, I approached, and as I approached, that car did something that I was not expecting. There was traffic coming the other way, and as traffic was coming the other way, this car, this driver, began to do something that obviously this driver had become accustomed or believed it was safe to do. This driver apparently had come accustomed that if you want to go and if you want to get out onto the road, that you just simply push your way out or go out in the road and cars will stop. And if cars will stop, then you can just continue going even when you don't have the right of way, when it's not legally your right to go yet or to continue on. And this driver apparently believed that the oncoming traffic, as he began to pull out, would stop. They're going the speed limit or near that. And suddenly this car believes that they have the right of way. Again, there wasn't much traffic. It was just myself, another car behind me, and another car. There was three cars. In about five seconds, he could have pulled out and there would have been no issues at all. But to save a couple of seconds, decided to pull out, thinking that this car was going to stop. However, this car was going fast enough that as that car pulled out to, again, to try to force himself onto the main road, he did not have enough time to stop. That car could not keep from slamming onto its brakes before hitting that car that had pulled out onto the road. The driver came to believe and to trust that he could pull out forcing his way onto the main roads, even though it wasn't his legal right to go forward. It was misdirected, and the result of it was not fortunate for him. It was not favorable for he or the other driver, as, of course, the impact unfolded, and thank God no one was injured, but there was still the damage to vehicles. There was still the accident to now work through. That belief that the driver had was misplaced. It was misdirected. This father was dealing with a misdirection or a belief that was misplaced. He trusted in those physicians who thought they knew, but they failed. He even trusted the disciples, but even they failed him. The Bible tells us in verse number 19, he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long 
shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Jesus looked at the disciples and could he envision? They were used to seeing things go well in ministry, to see what Jesus taught them to continue. And now they were in a case, in a situation that was above their experience, above their spirituality. It exposed the lack of depth in their relationship with God. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus admonished them, O faithless generation. Did the disciples lack faith? They left everything to follow Christ. They left jobs. They left income. They left the stability that they had in life to follow Christ. Were they completely faithless? Jesus exposed that there was a depth to them that there was not. There was a, there was a needed depth that they lacked in their life. Jesus says, I don't have much time. How long longer shall I be with you? He says, my, the day is approaching that I'm going to the cross. I, my ministry is going to be ending here on this earth soon. How long shall I bear with you? How long? How much longer till you are going to get what I'm trying to teach you? You need a personal walk with God that grows deeper and deeper each and every single day. Jesus admonished them. This father was looking for a place for his belief. Everything had failed. We've seen a lot of failure, have we not, over these past months, this past year. Government has failed us. Man has failed us. Science has failed us. Doctors have failed us. Over and over and over again, we're seeing a lack of trust, a lack of place of putting our belief in. Those that claim to be faith healers, we'll see that Jesus, we'll see a, a contrast to that in just a moment certainly have failed us. Where are they at this time of COVID? Those who claim to be in ministry have failed. So where can I put my faith? Where can I put my belief? Where can I put that in which I trust, in which I want to uh, grow and to establish my life into? Where can I go? Jesus directs their faith. Jesus directs where to look. I love what Jesus says at the end of verse number 19. Look at it with me. Bring him, that boy, unto me. The father was looking, where can I put my belief? Where can I put my trust? Where can I put my hope in? And Jesus gave him that response. Jesus gave him, <coughs> excuse me, the look, uh, uh, the answer to look, and that look, uh, uh, and to look no further than himself, Jesus looked at this father and said, I am your answer. I am the one that you can trust. Notice what the Bible says in verse 20 now. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. This demon was defiant. He was daring. This demon was 
not going to uh, yield without showing his rebellious heart. Usually when demons were confronted with Jesus Christ, as we see through the Gospels, they would cry out in terror, but this one was determined that he was going to put up a fight at every single point of this interaction with Christ. The Bible says this evil spirit tear him, again convulsed him, but violently. This little boy was now wallowing on the ground, foaming in the mouth and foaming at the mouth. And notice what the Bible tells us as the situation is now presented. This boy physically convulsing and convincingly in pain, wallowing on the ground. Foam is coming at his mouth, exactly like the father had portrayed. The Bible says in verse number 21, and he, Jesus, asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. This type of situation that is now unfolded has been going on for some time speaks of a child speaking of being an infant this has been going on for years now even when this child was just young how heartbreaking how much his heart the heart of christ must have felt compassion for this poor little boy as the situation and as the scene unfolded. Jesus truly knew all about this. He knew exactly what was taking place. But I believe he asked this question in verse number 21 to bring some comfort to the disciples because he knew the length of how long this is taking pl- has taken and that this was not a normal situation. This was a unique situation, a difficult situation that was now presented. The Bible teaches us in verse number 22, notice what the Bible says. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters. To destroy him this demon this evil spirit had on multiple occasions now tried to kill this little boy by throwing him violently into fire and into the water what a heart-rending situation could you imagine the broken heart this father his mother must have felt dealing with this praying and looking for an answer notice what he says his father's broken he is shaken to his core now he says but if thou canst do anything Have compassion on us and help us. Could you imagine the father? Could you imagine the scene watching your little boy? In such pain and agony, unable to speak, unable to hear. Writhing and convulsing in pain. 
And this father, as we'll see, begins to weep. And as he begins to weep, he says, if you could do anything. Jesus, I've looked everywhere. No one has the answer. I've tried to believe in this. I've tried to put my hope in this. I've tried to put my uh, a trust in all these things, and they all failed me. But if you can do something, would you have compassion? Would you see our situation? Would you help us, please? Could you imagine and see the passion that this father had in his voice to Jesus Christ? Notice how Jesus responds now. Verse number 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe. Jesus took this if that this father presented to Jesus. If thou canst do, uh, if you can do anything. Jesus now turns it around and says, if you believe. If you are willing to take that belief that has been shaken in man, that has been shaken in all these things, have, you can take that belief and you can put it in me. If you can and will choose to believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Jesus knew that there were no ifs with him. He is God. He is the creator of every galaxy, every sun, every moon, every planet, every living thing that could do anything. This stubborn and evil spirit, this evil demon was no match for Jesus Christ and Jesus knew that. And he said, would you put your trust in me? Would you believe in me? I'm the answer that you're looking for. I'm the one that you've been searching for. Put your belief in me. Man may fail you. Systems may fail you. But Jesus never fails. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 24. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, his father's broken. His heart is now open and raw cries out, tears flowing down his cheeks. Notice what he says. Lord, I believe. He looked at Christ and he says, I choose to believe you. I came looking for you. I recognize that my beliefs, my hopes, were wrongly placed elsewhere, but now you are directing my beliefs. Now you are directing my heart in yourself, and I am choosing to state that you are the answer that I am looking for. This father firmly says, Jesus, you're the direction I want. You're the direction I want to go. I believe. Notice what he continues saying. He says, help thou mine unbelief that word help there is a word speaking of a run to the cry of those in danger he was saying save me from unbelief what was he saying this father was looking at jesus christ and he says my belief has been broken in so many things
I'm believing in you. So don't let me down. Don't fail me now. I'm trusting you. You're my answer. There's nowhere else to go. I'm trusting in you. How evil that spirit was. It was hard enough truly in ministry to see a grown man suffering with an evil spirit, but now this poor helpless child is being tormented by an evil spirit hurting him deeply and wounding him and this innocent little boy, this helpless child. And his father said, you're my choice. Don't fail me. Notice what Jesus says or what happens in verse number 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus is interacting with a crowd. The news is beginning to spread that Jesus is there and they are sensing, the crowd is sensing that Jesus is about to perform a miracle. The news is spreading and more begin to run. More begin to come. They don't want to miss seeing what Jesus is going to do next. How many times in these quote-unquote faith healers and these quote healers that they would that they want the crowd, they encourage people to be drawn together so they can display their so-called talent, their so-called abilities. Jesus was much in contrast to that. He didn't wait for the crowd. In fact, he wanted to make sure that this crowd... Uh, 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 was uh, uh, did not gather there before the miracle took place. Notice what Jesus did. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Remember that statement. We're going to come back to it in just a moment. Jesus begins to or cast out this demon, he gives that command. I love how Jesus says, I charge thee. That word I is emphatic in sense. In other words, there was no other authority that Jesus need because he is God. He emphatically stated, I am God. I am, I am the creator. I am the one who made you before you fell and yea you deaf and dumb uh, uh, you dumb and deaf spirit i cast you out i charge you to come out of him jesus is the one and the only one that that foul which means corrupt or unclean spirit had no hurt, had no hope to usurp and in verse number 26 notice what the what, what happens in the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. That evil spirit once again was stubborn. He was going to be defiant all the way to the end. And he knew he had to obey. He knew he had to come out of this little boy. But the Bible says he rent him sore. That word rent speaks of a savage violently rending him. It wasn't convulsing enough there on the ground. That convulsions exponentially got worse. So much so that when the spirit came out, everyone saw that still body. And it seemed lifeless. The Bible says 
in so mu- uh, and he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead everyone thought everyone looked at the situation and saw this body that was now limp and still seeing the convulsions and all the movement that was taking place and stated jesus has killed him he's dead that evil spirit has killed that little boy But as people thought and looked at this, what seemingly for a moment, a hopeless situation, I want to remind ourselves of verse number 25 once again. Remember that last phrase, and enter no more into him? This father chose to put his belief in Jesus Christ. And Jesus in this very command was assuring of what was going to take place. Jesus was going to cast out this demon. This boy was going to be made whole. And that spirit was no longer, would no longer be able to enter in, would no longer have a hold, would no longer have a grasp, would no longer have any part of this little boy. Once again, Jesus was going to heal, not just temporarily, but wholly to the uttermost. Jesus was going to bring salvation. Jesus was going to bring hope that was going to be assured, that was going to continue on it wasn't temporary it was continual notice what the bible says in verse number 27 but jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up when all thought that the situation was now hopeless the boy was now dead jesus reached down and grasped that little boy's hand and what seemed to be a lifeless body felt the grasp of the savior's hand encompass his i can only envision that little boy and the strength that was needed to do what is next as god truly did a miracle here and lifted up this boy these muscles certainly were uh, uh, uh were spent his muscles certainly were exhausted from the situation that had presented itself and now this little boy was rising up with the strength given to him through jesus christ you see when jesus brings healing and hope and belief into one's heart he doesn't leave anything undone there's nothing left undone with jesus christ there's nothing lacking it did not jesus christ say it is finished there is nothing that jesus lacks there's nothing that he brings that causes a lacking in one's life he finishes it to the uttermost he saves to the uttermost he redeems to the uttermost when you put your faith and trust in him and you direct you can be assured tonight you can be assured that your belief your hope can do exactly what this little boy found complete and whole help and healing with the lord he arose what great power that demon thought he could kill that little boy but jesus christ is the conqueror of death jesus christ has great has power beyond any force what an incredible situation could you imagine the rejoicing could you imagine that father picking up his son, squeezing him in his arms? No more convulsions. 
No more silence tongue. The Bible doesn't say this, but can I just envision here for just a moment? I can envision this little boy wrapping his arms around his dad. Saying, Daddy, I can talk now. I'm okay. I'm all right. Oh, could you imagine the rejoicing, the scene that took place there afterwards? Could you imagine all the wonderful exclamations and praise that was given from a heart that chose to believe in Jesus Christ? What an incredible thing. What an incredible story. But the Bible doesn't end there. Look lastly and very quickly at verse number 28. And when he, Jesus, was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? The disciples were confused, I'll say confused, but they were wondering, you, you taught us how to do this. You showed us. You gave us power. And yet, we couldn't help in this situation. What happened? What took place? What did we do wrong? And he, Jesus, said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Belief did not only assure this father who put his trust in Christ for salvation, but belief and a continued strength and belief strengthens the heart of the saved. You understand that when we go through situations, we sometimes are exposed with a situation like this. God brings to a child of God a situation to where it exposes where our belief is, exposes where our heart lies. He allows it because it shows us and exposes the depth of our relationship with Him, how much we trust Him, how much our belief is in Him. If we're trusting in Him fully and completely, or if we trust in Him for salvation, but he's not everything we need. How many times do Christians find themselves in credit card trouble because we, tr we trust MasterCard or Visa more than we trust the wonderful provision of our Father? How many times do we find ourselves getting ahead of where God wants or out of where God wants us to be because we think our way is going to be better than what God's way is. Every child of God, if you've been saved for any length of time, there's been moments that we look to and the depth of our relationship with God has been exposed. We've seen where we have directed our belief. It's been in our finances. It's been on a card. 
It's been on what someone can do for us or how someone can help us or a certain situation where God says, I can provide. I'm waiting for you to come to me and to believe what I can do as you walk with me. Let me ask you tonight, are you like this father where you're looking for whom or what to believe in? This world uh, shows us so many things. Believe in this, believe in that, believe in this, trust in this. And there's a Savior, His name is Jesus. And He's looking and saying, if you will believe, I'll show you what I can do. Christian, are you looking through the Christian life, looking for all the external things to try to solidify or try to help in your situation? where God is waiting for us to say, this kind comes forth but by prayer and fasting. I want your heart. I want you to trust me. Believe in me. How wonderful it is and how assuring it is to put one's trust in God, to put one's belief in God directed firmly upon Him and watch him and see him assure us that our belief is soundly and perfectly placed. There's no greater one you can believe in tonight than Jesus. Would you come to him for salvation? Would you believe in the Lord to live a walk with him that grows deeper and deeper each and every day. Let's believe. Let's follow the example of a broken father that found his hope, his belief in the answer.